This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be financial or investment advice. Seek a licensed professional for investment advice about crypto or any other investment. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Blazing Crypto Podcast. We are Justin and Brandon, and today I am mega, mega bullish. Unfortunately, not necessarily mega bullish on crypto. I am mega bullish because my fighting Duke Blue Devils are here in Greenville, South Carolina, getting ready to play the Cal State Fullerton. I don't even know what their mascot is <laughs> on Friday night. What? Cal. Are they? Are they the? Are they the Titans? I'm not sure. I think uh, Cal State. Anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, my fighting Duke Blue Devils are in Greenville. Uh, we are in Greenville recording, so I could not be more excited. I'm wearing my Durham Bulls hat, so I am quite bullish at the moment. Justin, I know you're a massive college basketball fan, so you must be as elated as I am. Yeah, I, I don't even like. I don't even know how to talk about March Madness. I'm I'm not in junior high anymore, so I just I don't pay attention <laughs> to the uh, JV league, which is college basketball. So no, I'm just teasing, sort of. Fair enough. We could spend some time talking about the Detroit Lions and their free agency pickups, if you'd prefer. Yeah, I think we'll pass. I think we should just dive into the crypto discussion at, uh, at hand, for sure. All right. All right. Well, we are coming to you on Thursday morning, uh, March the 17th. So excited to, to jump back into our podcast. Justin, when we first started the podcast um, back in Q4 of last year, one of the things that was really important to us was these these principles that we called the core four, and these were these were not simply things that we did to sort of created to fill a content vacuum or created because you're supposed to. Uh, as a reminder, these were created because you and I essentially looked back over three or four years of conversations, of activity, of mistakes, of successes. And basically said, if we had to boil down everything we've learned, the most valuable pieces into four simple, hopefully, simple <laughs> truths, maximums, principles, what would those be? And we came up with our core four. Um, so today, we're going to revisit those core four, uh, in part because we probably got some things wrong <laughs> over the last nine months. Yeah. Uh, our audience might have either gotten some things wrong or maybe they're new to the space. And, and the, really the goal is to provide some insights and learning. Our platform is all about learning, consistent improvement. Uh, so we want to provide some insights and learning based on the core four, really looking back over the last six to nine months. Basically all of us uh, in the last nine months, we have hit a lot of unexpected turns. Uh, there really is no way to predict markets, period, let alone when we have all the macro factors we've had. So the point is, our podcast is not about predicting the markets. It's about creating principles, guiding principles, a North Star, if you will, uh, that basically can help us navigate a lot of the unexpected and um, a lot of the unpredictable. So... We'll look at our core four briefly here, and then really what we're going to talk about is how, if to the degree that we followed those items, how would those things have helped us even, or maybe even in the light of the fact that we would have no idea looking back what the last nine months would have held, how would these core four principles have steered us right to the degree that we we followed them? 
Um, so the core four, as a reminder, uh, we'll go through these uh, at the outset here. Our core four, honor the king and queen, understanding the Bitcoin life cycle or sort of the larger time horizon, making DCA your best friend and protecting the asset. So again, honoring the king and queen is all about the fact that the whole space is dominated by Bitcoin and Ethereum. And to the degree that you remember that, you're pretty well off. To the degree that you forget that, it's usually to your detriment. Um, Justin, let's start there. <laughs> how, how would honoring the king and queen, how should that have helped us in the last six to nine months? Yeah, so that one helped me a lot. Uh, and... Like it, it protected me a lot. I wish it had protected me more in that I wish I had, um, I don't know how to describe it. Like honoring the king and queen is sort of a spectrum, right? It's not a, it's not a light switch that just it, either you're doing it or you're not. So sometimes you're doing it better than others, right? So I think that one really, um, that one really helped me this time around in that, um, you know, the last nine months compared to four years ago when we had a similar market structure. Um, this time around, I had, a, I had a lot more of my portfolio exposed to just Ethereum or Bitcoin, um, you know, honoring the king and queen. So I still had exposure to alts, um, NFTs. Um, I'll even put in Solana in there because it, it's kind of like a hybrid in between altcoins and the king and queen uh but i wished i had honored the king and queen a little bit more and we can dive into that um so that's the one where it's like oh i got that right it feels like i got that right from a certain standpoint of comparing it to four years ago but i wished i had maybe honored it uh, honored the honored the queen specifically a little more uh in my case yeah, and to contrast, to put an item in contrast there, you know, we've talked a few episodes ago about the fact that essentially we had a nine-month alt season, which is really the longest and, and sort of largest macro big-scale alt season that, that's ever existed in crypto in the last, you know, three or four or five years. And this happens every time, but crypto Twitter people we know, people we listen to, the temptation is to say, this time is different, and here's four reasons why. The space is different, it's matured, you know, it's never going back, um, you know, the Bitcoin, how much of the total market cap Bitcoin occupies called Bitcoin dominance, you know, that's going to fall, crash through the floor, this is, and in reality, yes, things are changing and shifting slowly, but, but the the thinking of, you know, that it, it'll never be the same. You know, this is different this time. Um, yeah, I mean, those those viewpoints don't look great today. Yeah. Um, so I think the point is, yeah, honoring the king and queen, like you said, first of all, yeah, you said it's a, it's a spectrum. It's not binary. It's not on or off. Mm -hmm. um, but secondly, it also doesn't necessarily mean you have to have, you know, all of your portfolio in Bitcoin or Ethereum or, or some mix in between. Right. So one thing I wanted to mention is you and I, um, you and I took positions in Solana that were actually relatively small from a total portfolio perspective. 
And two points I wanted to make about Solana as it relates to honoring the king and queen, right, is when it started taking off, Justin, you and I were talking with a friend and basically he said something like, oh, you guys must be set because Solana has just done a 6x on, on the entire market. Yeah. And we're like, well, you know, I mean, you know, we did well on that coin. He was like, well, what do you mean? And then to tell him that I only had 5% of my portfolio in Solana, he was shocked, right? Like, how could you make a call like that and, and get that one thing so right and and not make a huge gain from it? And, and the simple fact is, is even with Solana, even a coin and a project we're really high on, not going to expose 40% of my portfolio to Solana. Now, if I had, I would be elated. But the point is, that's not how you win in this game. Because for every Solana, I could point to 10 other projects that did not pan out that way, right? Yeah, and I like to kind of describe that as, or a word I use is, that's just not sustainable, right? So in an isolated incident, yeah, I wish I'd put more into Solana. Like, who wouldn't say that? Um, but I can tell you of a bunch of other projects that I've been high on in the last four years that either don't exist anymore (laughs) or, or they're just like, you know, a fraction of the price. Um, and I do believe Solana is different than those things, you know, and, and I, that's why I was willing to take a larger position on Solana than uh, some of the other altcoins. But ultimately, yeah, you can't have this... you can't have this overexposed portfolio to alts because it's not sustainable. And that's usually what I try to help people understand. That's good. The second point on Solana as it relates to honoring the king and queen, and Justin, again, this is we'll talk about some things we got wrong or would have done differently. I think having this principle in place helped us when Solana went on this massive run. So if you and I, and you and I have talked about this, we did not... <laughs> We did not expect that Solana would literally lead the entire market on really the second run of that bull run. Anything that was connected to Solana did well, but Solana basically led the entire market, like the entire market, including Bitcoin, including Ethereum, including all these other altcoins, pick your favorite coin. Solana was the leader for like, what, at least four weeks, six weeks? Yeah, it was a good solid month. Yeah, we did not expect that. And so having this principle in place, we knew immediately what we were going to do, even though we weren't in one sense prepared for this specific way the market played out. And that was when Solana outpaced the whole market by 6x, 8x, Justin, we took profits. We sold Solana into Ethereum, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a way to really capitalize off that massive, massive move. And I'm really glad we did that. Do you uh, do you feel the same way? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and I'll even say, like in the moment, it's really hard to to navigate that. To know, okay, is now the right time to take profits? Oh, okay, it is now. How much should I? How much profits should I take? So, I think uh, we definitely navigated that well. And, you know, there's a few things I would tweak about how I did that. But overall, that like that was the right move for sure. Take taking profits into Ethereum, you know, and literally 
the market was at a standstill and and everything related to Solana just skyrocketed. Yeah, and the point here is again, the market is unpredictable. Even something that worked in our favor, we didn't expect. Like it was not in our in our range of outcomes. Frankly, I was concerned, and I told you this, Justin. I was concerned that I was being way too conservative by yeah. only having exposure in Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Solana. I was actually concerned right. about that because I didn't think I had enough upside. And again, if you pick good projects, you know, again, this isn't about Solana, but the point is things fell in our favor and we knew what to do with it because of these principles, even though what happened was unexpected. Yep. So it's just, again, it's just a really important note. The principles are a guiding North Star even when the waves and the wind don't do what you expect it to do. That's kind of the, the big point. Uh, secondly, the second core four item is investing with a long-term horizon. Um, we, we, we've sort of verbalized this two different ways, understanding the Bitcoin life cycle. And it's really, in other words, mapping to Bitcoin is part of that, but understanding what the larger crypto shape market, life cycle, whatever you want to call it, what that looks like. And then to the degree that you are able to sort of figure out where you are is is really, really helpful. Um, so I know, Justin, that there's some, there's some variables here that you and I are still trying to navigate because, again, this market is shifting, evolving, emerging. But how, how is understanding the Bitcoin life cycle, how should that have helped us in the last nine months, uh, whether we got it right or whether we got it wrong? Yeah, it's the, to me, help, like the, the big thing about keeping the, understanding the Bitcoin life cycle um, and it, its relation to keeping a long-term mindset um, and the the biggest advantage to that is um, it's sort of just like helps you stay sane during the volatility, you know? Um, Cause if, I mean, if you're in it for the short term and I'll just say short term, I'll define that as anything less than like three years. Um, you are at the mercy of the market price. And when you're at the mercy of the market price, uh, that is a scary place to be because it's so volatile. Whereas, you know, for the for the Bitcoin life cycle, zooming out, we know that on average, you know, for the last 12 years now, Bitcoin has gone up an average of 200% per year. Um, and it hasn't been straight up. It's not it's not consistent. I'm not saying that it's it, you know, it goes down on some years, but zooming out and having that mindset helps you kind of stomach some of the short-term volatility. Um, because, you know, as long as you're playing your cards right and you're not putting in more than you can afford to lose, um, then you should be able to weather the storm, right? And kind of play it, you know, just play it slow and conservative and and wait for the market to come to you instead of panicking when it when things drop. Yeah, one of the things that makes me remember is Early on, I think part of it's because of my sort of analytical mindset. I like being prepared for things. I like adjusting and adapting. That seems responsible. But one of the things that really messed me up in this market, probably the first two and a half, three years of being in it, uh, which means not all that, you know, too long ago, right? Um, 
is I would see people on crypto Twitter. I was just relating the story to somebody the other day, and I can't remember who it was. I would see people on crypto Twitter. They would say things like, well, you know, if Bitcoin, if Bitcoin, you know, touches this number and doesn't hold up, we're going to crash and it's going to fall $8,000 and all these lines and arrows and whatever. And and I would immediately think like, oh no, like I need to, I need to do something, right? I need to, I need to move out of the market. I need to move, I need to set a stop loss order. Ah, I got to do something. And, and, And this principle has really helped me with that. And I, I still have, I still have a little bit of those, those instincts, right. To like protect and uh, move stuff around. But the point is, uh, to the degree that, like you said, you're in it for the long run and you understand moving in and out of the market, you are not making volatility, your friend, you're making volatility, your enemy. And it's a, it's a bad enemy if it's not on your side. Um, you mentioned the 200%. And again, like you said, it's not that's not flat, steady growth. It, it happens in big waves, and also, frankly, a lot of Bitcoin's growth happens in short spurts and timeframes. Yeah. And I would just say, if your expectation is that you can get that right and you can out trade the market by being sort of out of the market and in the market, like I'm just, I, I will, I will go out on a limb, which is not all that risky, and say. You're gonna get you're gonna get destroyed, and you'll end up just not being in the market because you won't be able to stomach the volatility, like yeah. you said. One of the um, one of the other things I think this one has helped me with is having the patience to wait and buy the dip. So if you're if you're maintaining a four year mindset and you kind of zoom out and you see the whole picture of Bitcoin, what it does is it gives you the freedom to not feel the need to panic buy and FOMO in when Bitcoin is kind of like, you know, showing signs of strength because you're playing the long game. It allows you to have some patience and have, you know, wait for the time when the market um, is sort of like full of fear. uh, And, and that's the time to buy. And you know what, if, if it takes eight months to get to that point or 12 months, like that's okay. Um, Because I have exposure, right? I don't, I mean, I, I want more exposure, don't get me wrong, but I don't feel this constant need to like, oh, it's about to go, you know, it's about to go straight to a million dollars. Like I need to buy everything right now. Uh, so help, having the four-year mindset really protects me from that FOMO, I think. I like that point a lot. And and that actually relates to something I want, I want to own up to and just say, there's something I got very wrong in this cycle and it relates to what you just shared. So I had a few spots where I bought, I bought really good dips, um, and I'm happy about that. One of the things I'm not happy about, and maybe I just put too much confidence in our understanding of a couple things, uh, in our predictions or whatever, but I probably just played my hand too hard is kind of what I'm saying. In understanding the Bitcoin life cycle, Justin, I mean, late midway through 2021 as we got sort of through september got into october got into q4 both of us kind of you know metaphorically speaking kind of like we're looking at our watch looking at our calendar going hmm like something's not right this thing like from a timing perspective like uh if it's not gonna go now uh and and we just we, we started getting uneasy and asking questions and it's like 
we realized there's just a lot of stuff going on that's unpredictable. But the one thing I did that I wish I wouldn't have done, or I wish I would have done differently, I'm glad I opened up a an IRA that, that allows for crypto trading as a, a tax advantage thing, which we can cover in a different episode. But I ended up I ended up panicking and rushing to get um, U.S. dollars funded into the account. Part of it's a contribution limits thing, and if you're tr- doing any kind of Roth IRA, you understand the contribution limit stuff and the tax stuff. You understand all that. But Solana had hit two fifty five. And it corrected to 235. <laughs> if you're on audio, ju- if you're no, no, if you're on audio only, Justin just cracked a huge grin. So uh, <laughs> that tells you where this is going. It had hit 255, 250, 245. It had come all the way back down to 235 and 230. We had some friends that were also trying to get some money into Solana, and it was like this: like whose ACH is going to settle first and actually fund the account? So I ended up, I ended. Up, <laughs> I ended up buying multiple Solana at uh, at two hundred and thirty dollars in my <laughs> in my crypto Roth IRA. Now you know, so every time I log into that account now, I get to re- remember this point that I'm down like sixty two percent. It's like it's like a sign that gets held up. Hey, remember, dummy, you got this very wrong. Now, in one sense, I'm not panicking because I do have a long-term mindset. I just share that story to say, look, none of us knew what was going to happen. However, if I would have played the longer-term mindset, like you said, Justin, I would have thought to myself, you know what? Solana already 8X'd, did an eight times multiple on the entire market. I should probably not take $1,500 and push it in right now. That, from a timing perspective, that was probably not the right decision. Now, if if it had gone up to $700, I would have looked like a genius, right? But the yeah. point is, it didn't. And again, it's not the end of the world. I'm fine. It's good. I'm happy to, for that to be there for five to 10 years without touching it, right? But the point is, having a long-term time horizon really helps us avoid panic moves, moves that are too large that don't make sense in the timing anything else to wrap up on that justin there's a lot we could say on that but i I wanted to share that story just to be kind of real with everybody the only thing i'll like i'll come to your defense a little bit on that in that i think the unique part about that situation was with the ira you've got to get that money invested like by a certain time which i think was like the end of the year or something like that um and so like that that also doesn't uh, help the FOMO, right? When it's like, oh, we're up against the clock. We got to get this money in. You know, we have this ACH that's it's literally like Stone Age technology, and it, it takes twelve days or something stupid to clear. Um, but so it was kind I, of the listen. Storm. I got it. I know I got it wrong. The, the other reality is to sort of like not bail myself out is I could have just deposited the USD into the account, which counts towards the limit. I would have fulfilled that goal. Or I that, didn't realize that. that. Okay. Yeah. I, listen, I got it wrong in multiple ways. So oh. <laughs> thank you for your uh, your empathy, sympathy, whatever. I got it wrong. Anyway, all right, let's move on. So core four, we talked about honoring the king and queen, investing with a long-term time horizon. Uh, the third item is probably our favorite, making DCA your friend, or sometimes we, we strengthen it to say make it your best friend. Uh, Justin, there's a there's a story I want to I want to share here that 
you know, every time, every time I go a stretch of time and don't DCA, the only common reality is I end up regretting it. Um, So we actually, in one sense, we got this right in the summer of 21. And so the story I wanted to share is, uh, it it was a pretty, uh, a pretty stark, stunning thing. We saw Bitcoin just run up and run up and run up and run up and almost look just, you know, uh, unable to be stopped, right? Unstoppable into May. We hit 64,000 on basically a straight vertical climb. I mean, you know, we had a couple of 20, 30% corrections, but it was straight vertical. And then, you know, one thing happened, another thing happened. People were just massively over leveraged. Uh, some institutional buyers stepped in and, and, you know, people started calling their bluff. Elon Musk, the energy crisis, all these things, right? And so we go from 64K to actually just under 30K. So we are, we are talking about a 53, 55, 56% correction in a very short time frame. Um, we were thinking, man, maybe this run is completely over. You had, you had to think that because it's never retraced that hard in a bull run before. But June and July came and we were basically bouncing Bitcoin. Other coins were doing stuff too, which we'll talk about. But Bitcoin was basically bouncing off of the $30,000 number. $30,000 was acting as support there. And, you know, Justin, we had to make some decisions, right? And, and I think that the decision, um, I think I think I DCA'd some through the summer just on like a weekly basis. But basically, one of the other ways I sort of DCA'd, if you will, is really every time it was below 32000 I had a set amount of money that I would just push in. And then I would wait. Then I would push it in, push it in, push it in. Little bits at a time, but I actually was able to buy a a good amount of Bitcoin or a good number of buys under 32K, even under 30K, and also was able to buy Ethereum under $2,000, which I think in the long term is just going to be amazing. But but that that really had nothing to do with what I thought the market was going to do in six to eight weeks. It was basically saying, man, dollar cost averaging, being able to like have entries at 30,000 for Bitcoin, 2,000 for Ethereum. I mean, these are just unreal entries. And and again, the point is having a DCA mindset of I don't have to go all in. I don't have to pull everything out. I'm just going to slowly add, slowly add, even in uncertainty, right? You You don't only DCA when you're confident about what the market is going to do. And that's the point. If you only do that, you're not dollar cost averaging. You're just you know, you're trading basically. So Justin, you know, tell me what you remember from the summer or, or take us to another, another story that you wanted to, to share. Yeah. Um, I want to keep talking about DCA. Uh, the, by the way, I don't, I don't know if we actually said in this episode, DCA stands for dollar cost average. Um, and if, I don't, if you're, if you've been listening to us for a while, you know, we talk about that a lot and we, I know we talk about a lot on our, our discord group. Um, but the, I think of all of the core four items, this is the one that I, I think I get most excited about. Um, and it's probably because it's, to me, it's the easiest. Um, uh, it's unemotional. It's like, I have almost, it's like a math equation <laughs> where it's like, okay, when I see this signal, you know, I start, I start buying more every week. So, um, yeah, during the, uh, if you, if, well, not even just during the last summer, if you zoom out, and you look at 
um, you know, the history of Bitcoin, the history of Ethereum, and you say, okay, if I want to be buying every week, when are the best, like, when is it the best time to be doing that? And what I mean by best is like, when you, when is doing that providing you the most, um, long-term, I guess, profits or success. So to me, it's like anytime Bitcoin falls, um, you know, over 40, like a, over a 40% decrease, um, that window and it, it might keep falling. It's fallen further than that before. It might fall all the way down to like 75%. But basically, that window of as soon as it falls farther than 40%, to me, that's my signal of, okay, I need to start DCAing more. Um, and so like last summer, you know, what I was trying to do uh, was I was I was dollar cost averaging into equal amounts of Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Solana all summer long as it kind of hovered around that um, $30,000 window. And I can't remember exactly where Ethereum and Solana were, but the main thing is I was able to accrue a decent amount there at a really nice price. And what happened was um, towards the end of the summer and going into the fall, all the prices started to go up again. And I, I backed off of that, that DCA. And what happened is I got, I basically got a really good entry on that. So that was really, that was really, um, that was a big win for me and my portfolio. Um, so, and now honestly, right now is another window where I'm heavily, I'm heavily dollar cost averaging because right now there's kind of like blood in the water. Um, yeah, two, two thoughts on that. So first of all, um, you know, DCA is a mindset. And DCA can be a program, right? So I want to make sure as we talk about DCA, we kind of mean both, but sometimes we are emphasizing one or the other. So again, DCA is a mindset is to me, I've said this before, it's, it's a, it's the decision that you have to make one time, but it's sort of like making 10,000 really good decisions. And I think that's the key to investment success over a long period of time is basically how many good decisions can you stack consistently little by little. And and DCA is really the best idea of how to do that in crypto, right? Yeah. We don't need to make big trades because the volatility is coming from the market. Yeah. So we, we don't have to have the mindset of people that trade equities and trade metals because a good year for crypto is not 22%. Yeah. A yeah. good year for crypto is like, 800%. Um, so the point is the volatility is there. In one sense, Justin, you said this, we almost need to get out of the way. We need to get out of our own way. We need to sort of take the emotion out of it. Um, and, and DCA is the way we do that. So DCA is a mindset. Secondly, DCA is a program. And what you're what you're talking about there, I just want to make sure it's, it's clear. DCA is a program has like, you know, I mean, there's probably... 10 different ways to execute that. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to put $25 into the market every Friday, rain or shine, Bitcoin all-time high, Bitcoin at, at, at its lowest point, I, that like that is that is a really good approach. Um, there's also what Justin said, where basically you're like, hey, once Bitcoin clears an all-time high again, I, I pull back. I sort of, maybe I put more into my reserve, my USD stack, and I'm waiting, right? And I'm going to wait until Bitcoin hits an all-time high, retreats to 40 or 50%, and then I start moving that money in more heavily. The point is, those are not different ideas. 
That's just simply a different execution. Um, so I, I just want to, you know, Justin, you and I have done a lot of talking, a lot of thinking about DCA. So the big point to me is the getting the mindset right. And then secondly, like you said, figuring out what you're able to do responsibly, what you're comfortable doing, and what you can do 10,000 times. Yep. That's, that's what I would say a successful DCA plan looks like. So again, like you said, like I said, um, you know, I like the idea, frankly, of of moving a little bit of money in here and there, almost like just it's mindless. Again, you make one decision, but it has 10,000 applications. But then also understanding, you know, when is it a strategic time to move more money in yeah. um, at some of these strategic points? So again, from a DCA standpoint, the main problem we're avoiding is a scenario where we take all of our money and move it into the market at, you know, imagine, I mean, imagine Bitcoin at, you know, 58,000 and you think we, we've come from 69 to 58 and you're thinking, oh, baby, oh, baby, here we go. We're going to go straight to 85, straight to 100 and you move 5K in. Mm-hmm. Well, now, you know, you're, you know, you're down. I can't do the math in my head, 60%, 50%, whatever it is. The point is you don't need to do that, right? And we know people, just from talking to them, that they did not buy anything when Bitcoin was at 30K because they were afraid the price was going to go lower. And what you do is you wait till, as we, you know, I, I think it's just the, the best way to look at it. You wait till all the lights are green and then you move all of your money in and then you're just down for really long periods of time. That is not the way to play this market. And that's why we talk about making DCA your best friend. Yeah. I think the main, like the main point I want to make there on DCA too, is um, where I guess like where I got it wrong originally is like for the first several years, I, I was hearing about DCA, like you and I would talk about DCA and we'd read about it on Twitter and I was kind of like, okay, yeah, that's a cool little strategic idea. It's cute. You know, like I, I get it, but I didn't take it seriously. Um, and when I finally started to take it seriously, it's like a light bulb moment of like, oh, wow. Oh, oh, wow. This is, this is really important. And it's a much bigger, it provides a much bigger impact on my long-term success in crypto than I ever thought it would. And I wished I had taken it more seriously back in the beginning. So like overall, like that is kind of my frame of mind around DCA. Uh, and it's kind of like, it's very refreshing to be on the other side of that and start to realize, you know, the, um, the importance of it. I think when people first hear about DCA and this probably applies to me and you, when you first hear about DCA, it feels like the financial investment equivalent of a bicycle with training wheels. Yeah. And, and you think to yourself, you know, if you can work within the analogy, you think to yourself, man, like I see, I see people riding really, really fast. I see people, you know, whatever. I see people with these like rocket bikes, right? Trading on leverage. And I see people with these Ferraris and these big watches, uh, which is a crypto Twitter joke about when you see the big watches, you know, we probably have topped. Uh, but anyway, the point is it feels like, oh, you're having to do that because like, you know, you're not smart enough, right? Yeah. The irony is it's the exact opposite. 
the people riding really, really fast are riding off a cliff. And, and there, there are, there's a graveyard at the bottom of that that we won't get into today. Yeah. The point is, that's not how to think about this at all. And I think that I, I just there's a perspective here that we have to understand. The, the, the tools that we have access to, Coinbase, you know, Gemini, FTX, whatever exchange you use, you have direct access to a global asset, an asset class that never never shuts off. It's not Monday to Friday. It's not 8 to 5, 9 to 5. That entire com- countries are adopting as reserve currency, as legal tender. They're running to it as an opt-out from their uh, inflationary currency. You have, you have the direct op- uh, option to access that without any intermediary. And you can set up a recurring amount to do it and just make, make that decision one time and never have to do it again. And I think the reason I'm saying that is we see that and go, oh, that must be for like investment babies. And it's like, no, that's an, in- like, <laughs> you have access to something incredible and you have the ability to automate it, which is incredible. And we just, I think we just miss it. I think we, 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 we assume, we assume that success looks complicated and oftentimes success looks a lot more simple than we, than we imagine. I'll get off the, uh, I'll get off my hobby horse now, but that you, you're, I, people's, your thinking has to change on that point. Yeah. If you want to be successful with crypto, I cannot state this any more strongly. Your thinking about that has to change. You have to understand uh, that DCA is your best friend. And the day you understand that is probably the day that you start being more successful than than not. I'm going to turn my mic off, Justin. Anything that you want to add there? I could talk about this for hours. Yeah, I'll just say, like, it's not sexy. Like, <laughs> DCA is not. It's not. It's not a wild ride. And it's not sexy. It's not, like... It's not a thrill, but it's very strategic. It's, I would argue, the best decision. Um, and it, it's provided me with the most impact on my success, for sure, guaranteed. There's no there's no doubt about that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. A lot more to say there, but let's move on to the fourth item, protecting the asset. You know, Justin, this is probably not the the richest uh, the richest core four item, but it is important. Um, thankfully, the tools uh, that we have at our disposal are a little more sophisticated. Uh, they're better than they were in 2017 and 2018. Uh, we don't hear as much about exchanges getting hacked, uh, but it, it does it does happen. What stands out to you? Just from a standpoint of protecting the asset, like not losing your crypto, not exposing your crypto to things you shouldn't, um, just not making foolish foolish decisions to actually protect what you've built up. From the last nine months, what stands out to you there that keeping this principle in mind would have helped you uh, avoid or accomplish? Yeah, I think, I guess there's like different sides of this one. Um like to me, protecting the asset is, it's a lot bigger than just keeping it on Coinbase or, or whatever platform you're using. That's, you know, whatever insured, safe, secure, however you want to describe it. 
Um, but to me, it also has to do a lot with leverage, you know, so, you know, in, in crypto, you can use your Bitcoin and your Ethereum as collateral to buy a bunch more. Right. And so like, there's a lot of people in the market that are doing that and they're, they're over leveraging themselves. And essentially what that is, is it's not keeping like your Bitcoin is not safe when you're doing that. Your Bitcoin is used as collateral and it, whatever you're buying with that, if the price of that goes down far enough, you're liquidated. It's not your Bitcoin anymore, or your Ethereum or whatever, whatever asset you're using. So, um, I, I know for a fact, you know, over the last nine months, the market did not go as a lot of people thought it would. And if you weren't abiding by, you know, protecting the asset, if you were over leveraged, a lot of people got really wrecked. Um, and that's a, that's a, that's a really expensive, you know, lesson to learn. So I think, uh, it's easy to kind of like define this one as, oh, just keep it in a safe place. Um, but a lot of it has to do with, you know, where, I guess it's utility related. Like how, how are you using your Bitcoin? Are you trying to, you know, use it as collateral and you don't need to, or you're over leveraging and you're borrowing too much against it? Um, yeah, that's kind of like, you know, I guess one of the big dangers. I'll say if you're hearing this episode, driving your car or whatever, washing dishes, whatever, whenever you listen to podcasts, if you're hearing this and going, I don't understand what he just mentioned. I would say, don't pursue understanding what Justin just talked about, mainly not because it's not important, but because uh, yeah, getting into the what in equities are called options trading or futures trading, uh, crypto does have some amazing instruments. Uh, but like Justin said, when you're leveraging your assets, you are putting your assets at risk, right? So that's a that's a wise word. Um, just be careful, you know. And I think I think too. One of the things we talked about in a past episode is we try to use models, financial data models, whatever, not to pick one that we think is going to be right, but to use models as a way to sort of paint a range of outcomes. And really make sure we have multiple viewpoints, multiple data points, multiple, um, um, the word now just escaped my mind, uh, multiple tools speaking into our situation. And we don't want to overly, we don't want to like play our hand too hard, even if we're like, man, this thing can't fail. If you ever hear yourself saying that, <laughs> that is a that is a trigger that should be a red flag to like oh I, that you know I just said something I shouldn't have said and this is indicative of my mindset. But yeah, the point is obviously if you're putting your crypto into play, uh, you, it's you're risking it and you might not need to do that. Um, so yeah, protect it. One of the things that I've created sort of a, a Chinese wall on or a rule is, you know, I'm not going to ever, I'm not going to ever take my Bitcoin or take my Ethereum and buy a more risky asset with it. I did break that rule one time uh, for a very specific thing. But as a, as a rule, it it took me like three months to make that decision, uh, just to be honest. So I always take, take, and Justin, I think you wanted to talk about this a little bit. If I have profits from altcoins, I'm moving those into the direction of Bitcoin and Ethereum I'm not taking my Bitcoin and Ethereum and moving it in the direction of more risky altcoins. Yeah. And again, that's another way to protect the asset, right? Some of these numbers might sound crazy to you. Um, 
but I was even listening to some some financial analysts this week talk about the guy basically said he's a, a traditional finance. Uh, this is not some like cryptomaniac. He basically said if in five or six years, if Bitcoin's not trading at half a million dollars, he basically said, I don't I, I would say that I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, in other words, everything in my career, I just don't know what I'm doing anymore. But he, he's essentially saying with the, the rate of adoption, all my point is to say, in, in, in a five or six year time frame, the hockey stick this thing still has. The point is accrue, accrue, accrue. If you're losing stuff in five or six years, you're going to severely regret it. Yep. Yeah. And honestly, like if you are like with altcoins, I, my typical approach to them is I try to buy them with fresh US dollars that I don't have in the market yet. Um, so it's really similar to your approach, Brandon. I don't want to trade my ethereum for an altcoin or whatever and if i do that you know i'm looking to take profits pretty quickly um but the main thing there is uh when you do that you're you're actually breaking you're sort of breaking both honoring the king and queen <laughs> and protecting the asset you're sort of breaking them simultaneously so those are you calling are you calling that treachery uh it's treachery yes treachery is a great word for that um but yeah so like that's those often kind of like go together yeah, that's good. One thing, you know, a lot of these points, you just mentioned this, a lot of these points work together because they're, they're sort of farmed out of a, a certain mindset, right? It's a long-term mindset. It's a, again, the volatility, the fuel, whatever you want to say, the fuel is provided from the market. The fact that crypto as a, an asset class, as a technology set is a better way of saying it. Crypto is, is, is growing from an adoption rate at a faster rate, quite faster than the internet did in the 90s. And again, sometimes what you need to do is just get out of your own way. And so, you know, my recommendation is kind of the reason we wanted to revisit the core four is to say, don't tie your success or failure to whether or not you play the market right. Whether or not in the next six months, the way you thought the market would go, you got that right. It's just more volatile than any of us can frankly handle and stomach. So don't do that. These principles, I think, help us move into the market in relatively, relatively safe, responsible ways, where if the asset class, not any one coin, but the asset class does what we expect. And frankly, what almost every financial expert in the world expects. You, you, you stand to profit and win in some pretty substantial ways. And so again, we're playing the long game. Um, we're keeping our mindset pure, if you want to call it that, clean. We're not sort of jumping into this get-rich-quick stuff and make 200x on some random coin you've never heard of and let's risk everything and go all in. So again, we're passionate about this, partly because we've gotten a lot of this stuff wrong, um, but also because like we think crypto is a massive opportunity. But it's not massive if you like turn the risk knob all the way up and you play these just crazy, crazy outcomes and crazy risk reward scenarios. Yeah. Justin, any anything that you want to add uh, along this line? Um, I, I know we could probably take this another uh, thirty minutes if we wanted to, but we probably shouldn't. 
No, I, I think, you know, I hope the episode's been helpful for kind of like reflecting on the, the recent past and kind of like preparing for the future. Cause ultimately that's how we want to grow. Right. We want to, I mean, I learned from my mistakes all along the way. Uh, and thankfully I'm making new mistakes. Um, and I'm not making them the same mistake, you know, as, as we did four years ago. Um, so it changes over time, but I guess that's what growth looks like. So, uh, it's exciting. Yeah. As we, as we wrap up today, um, a reminder that we actually have the core four on the website. So blazingcrypto.io, it's towards the, the bottom, the very bottom of the homepage. Um, but above that, there's actually a statement I wanted to read and kind of remind people of. I'm a, I'm a big picture. I'm a macro guy. Mindset to me is, is everything. Uh, because mindset influences all of our decisions. Not to be too philosophical. But here's, here's, a, here's the quote or a stat at the top of that section. Only 10% of crypto traders will actually turn a profit. You could argue that number is actually lower than 10% probably. 10% of crypto traders will actually turn a profit. But historically, 100% of buy and hold investors, caveat there, in Bitcoin, Ethereum, in the coins we're talking about, build life-changing wealth over a four-year time frame. The point is, Historically, no one has ever bought Bitcoin or Ethereum and four years later been underwater. Yep. That has never happened. Not promising that'll be true in 25 years or in 15 years. I'm just, I'm just saying the long-term mindset is the mindset to play with. You're literally talking about your your odds of improving, your odds of winning go up a multiple of 10 if you simply buy the right assets, have a long-term mindset, and be willing to do something over a four-year, three- or four-year time frame instead of a three- or four-month time frame. Your yeah. odds of winning go up 10 times at a, at a bare minimum. I think it's just really, really important to keep in mind. Slow and steady wins the race, as cliche as it is. I think that's what we're that's what we're talking about. Yep. Justin, any any parting shots? Oh, I think you closed it well. All right, guys, check out the website blazingcrypto.io. Uh, check out our core four there. As always, if you want to join us in sort of a more engaged way, more involved way, uh, more of our content, get more access to uh, Justin and I, what we're thinking, questions you have. Uh, check out blazingcrypto.io slash join and join us on Discord, $12.99 a month. Cancel anytime. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we really enjoy bringing this content to you. And thanks for the feedback we get. Thanks for the reviews you leave. Uh, we really appreciate it. So for Justin, I'm Brandon. Honor the king and queen. And uh, we will see you guys next time. For more information, check out our website at blazingcrypto.io. Additionally, if you have friends that are new to crypto, share our trailhead videos from our website, which is a great way to get introduced to crypto.